Yes, Ryan, let me bring you up. Of course, the main man is here. <clears throat> I thought I'd have a nap before this space because it's at two in the morning, but then Jamwon insisted on opening the space, so we didn't get to. Never mind. Okay. Where's Ryan? He's gone. I sent him a call here, co-host invite, so I'm not sure. I didn't see him there, but maybe he'll be back. Okay, in the meantime, can everyone just retweet the uh, room, please? And, um, yeah. At the bottom right, there's a button which yeah, says Yeah, guys, retweet the room. If I get banned, or if, if me, Khalifa, or Ryan get banned, fight for us to be back. <laughs> Jam, that's for you and Rash, right? Fight for us to be back. Okay. Yeah, I think it, maybe you just didn't take the co-host um, and it hasn't worked for him. Let me, let, I'll, I'll ask him, I'll ask him. Yeah. What if he just just now? What is what? Oh, he's here. He's here, there you go. Fabulous. Hi, I just finished. The Hi, show. Ryan. Hi, hello. Hey. Okay. So, so, um, Suleiman, just so that I'm clear, is it is it um anyone who wants to speak can come up, or is it subscribers only? It is subscribers only, so anyone can basically listen, but we're only bringing up subscribers, um, so that's like the uh, benefit of being a subscriber. Um, okay, before you boot me down. Oh, I did not boot you down, by the way. <laughs> oh my yeah, god. That was, uh, that was awkward, that wasn't me. <laughs> Let you know. <laughs> Ryan, I'm going to send you a invite so that you, like, no one can view you anyway, but just so you can you basically, you know, you, if anyone, sure. knows, if anyone knows you, you could just drop them. Oh, I'll just go off on them. So I'm just going to send you that. We'll start the interview in about 30 seconds, just let more people join. Do you want to let Shukri bring her off so she can finish her points? Yeah, yeah, that was a bit awkward, that was, uh... Uh, no, no, she didn't. Anyway, she's still here. It was glitching, I think, because I've, I've tried to invite her like 15 times and it's not yeah, working. I mean, that's fine. So, yeah, guys, if, if just like I said, this interview is going to go for a while. Ryan's going to hopefully answer a lot of questions. In terms of the people who are on the panel, what I, what I request is um, that you ask questions specifically on the topic. And then what we'll do is um, maybe certain points where Ryan thinks it's appropriate, like this is a good stop-off point for a new subsection area. We can ask for like general questions on that specific point. But generally speaking, just jump. Sorry, Ryan. Ryan. Is this a Q and A about September 11th and yeah, what follows? Yeah, it's, it's like a it's okay. like a structured Q and A. I'd call it. So I want to start at the beginning, go through all the various Very things. Cool. I did listen to, um, although it was on uh, it was on two speed, but I did try and listen to Fresh and Fit once. So I've got a bit of an idea. I know some of the conspiracy theories from the other things before I listened to yours, which um, 
I wasn't convinced by it, but I, I just let everybody know I never thought 9-11 was an inside job and I never thought that and, and, and the reason for that is because I always never found those arguments very convincing so they're retarded like but there's a lot of disinformation about September 11 on you know the Alice Jones variety of guys but yeah, it's the same thing with COVID nineteen, right? There's a lot of disinformation from the you know the people that think viruses aren't real, stuff like that. That doesn't mean the big pharma is telling the truth. It just means the other side can be equally as stupid. Yeah, and five G five is an example of that where they made a, an outlandish thing oh, yeah. just so people didn't believe them. That was David Ike. That was David Ike that started that one. And he's kind of, he's the lizard people guy. Yeah. And that, that is a topic area we want to go into, right? Is this um, why they why they proliferate <coughs> why they proliferate the internet with this nine eleven conspiracies? Yeah, well, I can talk about it right now. Like, so for example, real life example, when the first time I met Scott Ritter in person, we were talking about Ukraine and. Oh, he was at the Ron Paul conference, we were talking about that. And someone comes to the table and interjected some 9-11 stuff because they knew who I was. And I thought, oh, how do I prove I'm not one of these people, right? Because some woman and her husband, I think, got in there and just started saying BS from like Richard Gage and Loose Change and just, you know, thermite and missiles and all that stuff. And I was embarrassed because I was like, no, 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 like, I'm not one of these people, right? And I wanted to explain to him my version of 9-11, but I know it's just impossible. Like, once the kooks are there, they're like, no, Bildner fell from fire, and it's all these talking points, not even their own words. Larry Silverstein said, pull it, pull it. Like, I know exactly what they're going to say. It's not even their own thoughts. This is, like, just been repeated by Alex Jones over and over again. And I'm like, well, now this guy thinks I'm a kook. And after interviewing him, I don't know, five times or whatever it has, five, six times, he's, you know, come around, but he's like, that's exactly what I thought. When that woman brought up 9-11, I'm just thinking, you know, he was very polite and everything, but the back of his head, he's thinking, oh, Lord, another one of these people, right? It's like aluminum can't break steel. And I'm like, yeah, because the first thing you heard, the first thing he heard, the first thing most people have heard about, you know, a dissidence on 9-11 is all this retarded stuff and that's because they amplify we, we call it the spook to kook uh you can think of it from spook to kook parameters on one side you've got the spook story that says they hate us for our freedom and 72 virgins and muslim this and that's bullshit and then the other side they're like what airplanes it's all holograms or mini nukes and <laughs> that's all bullshit too but the spooks amplify the kooks, and then they censor people like myself. So if you're accurate about any of these things, like look at the Durham report came out today. Well, lo and behold, the FBI, the Justice Department, social media, mass media, they all lie. They're like, oh, you can get all of them to lie. Uh, yes, you can. That's what they do. They're lying about 9-11, but when they find something ridiculous... They're going to crank up the juice because it makes people throw the baby out with the bathwater. I don't know how many people have admitted to me privately, like, you know what, I used to think you were a kook. I never really listened to what you had to say. I lumped you in with these other people. I finally saw you, let's say, on Fresh and Fit or something. 
the damn Dave, you've got the documents, you're you're telling the truth. Yeah, yeah. But it's they turned nine eleven into a tar baby. There's probably four years or so where I just gave up on it. I thought it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You could same with Kennedy, they turned out into a tar baby. You can't uh, reach people because they've heard so many stupid things already that you either A, believe in the stupid stuff, which is worse, or B, just sick of hearing about it. Like, that's why I couldn't go on Joe Rogan. Eddie Bravo tried to get Rogan to have me on to talk about 9-11, and he just wasn't having it. He's like, ah, I don't want to hear again about Building 7. Or because he's heard that so like religiously preachy, dogmatic horseshit from these people. And you can see this with a lot of topics. COVID's another one. But they just, uh, I'm done. I don't want to hear this. It works, so that's why they do it. They do it because it's effective. And just to summarize, basically, what you're saying, what the intelligence agency does it does is they propagate these wide assertions so that you don't believe the real content is essentially just to summarize your mind. Yeah, they put, like, Loose Change is on Netflix. And that movie doesn't get anything correct about 9-11 besides the date. Right, and so we're going to... Yeah, well, I'm not allowed on anything, except now I'm allowed on Twitter, because of Elon, but, yeah, I can't go on YouTube. I sure as hell can't be on Netflix. <laughs> and actually, let's get into that. So, starting from the beginning, if you can give us a bit of background, because I know, and, and what I want to do, what, what I want you to do is just give, me, give us a bit of background. Tell us what made you get into these kind of controversial topics. And then tell us a little, uh, tell us about your cancellations, because you were the first man to ever be cancelled before cancellation was a thing, before Andrew said anyone was cancelled. You were cancelled well before anyone, on everything. Oh, uh, well, yeah, I got blanket. I was the first person to get blankets, man. Like, I got kicked off of MySpace and AOL. That's a long time ago, right? So, and, of course, I was cancelled from, oh, Vimeo and LiveLeak and YouTube and... Uh, any, all that stuff. I was banned, banned on PayPal, banned on Patreon. Um, I've had several clothing companies canceled, banned on crypto exchanges. I'm not allowed to use anything American, pretty much, except Twitter now. And I was banned on Twitter forever, too. I couldn't even go make a new account. They'd follow me around and cancel that, too. They canceled my wife. They canceled my family members, so like I couldn't use anything. And... I guess the, my cancelization started around 2005, got kicked off YouTube in 2008 for the first time. That would happen many other times. And I just thought, what gives? Like, I'm anti-war and fighting pedophilia. Why do they hate me so much? <laughs> well, when you go after the donor class, right, you're talking about rings of billionaires with Jeffrey Epstein and Glenn Dubin and Les Wexner and, you know, Leon Black and Robert Kraft. These people are billionaires and they are into human trafficking and when you look at the facilitators of September 11th these are not unpowerful um, pissed off Muslims from caves okay Al-Qaeda is real but Al-Qaeda from its inception has never been separate from intelligence agencies Reagan called them as freedom fighters that diaspora movement even Bin Laden himself is very wealthy his family is very wealthy and these this whole network of radicalized madrasas throughout the world where they basically homegrown terrorists for proxy wars. It's been going on since the 80s. And you can see it again during Iran-Contra, which was a conspiracy. People got convicted for conspiracy, right? Anthony Poindexter, Ollie North, the rest of them. They 
were covertly sponsoring the Contras the whole time, even though the public position was that they weren't. And, you know, about 30,000 Nicaraguans got killed in that conflict between Sandinistas and the Contras. And the U.S. government was uh, facilitating the flow of narcotics into the U.S. to help them uh, create a black budget to pay for all, a lot of the CIA support on, for the Contras, training pilots, bring guns in and drugs out. And they were after the Somoza family, which traditionally had helped Israel uh, acquire arms around the War Assets Administration and, and, and export restrictions. They would go through third parties, and you know he was being ousted, and that's why they were secretly supporting the Contras uh, against his outers. All right, that, and they, this goes back all the way to the theft of uh, conventional weapons to create the state on top of Palestine in the first place. Right, a lot of that came out of Nicaragua. A lot of the guns. A lot of 50 caliber machine guns and stuff. People like Nathan Lift and Hank Greenspun had stole from these areas. <clears throat> stole out of Hawaii. Hawaii wasn't even a, a state yet. Um, but there were bases there. They're bringing them through and they, they filtered them through Cuba. They filtered them through Nicaragua and they filtered them through Mexico onto what ends up becoming Israel. From the Jewish agency, these stern gang goons with Ben Gurion and Menachem Begin and terrorists from Ergun and and uh, Lakam and Palmak, the Haganah group, they all get formed during this post-World War II exodus of weapons. You've got all these weapons all over the place. The war has ended. There's billions, which is a lot back then, worth of weapons with nowhere to go. And so black markets arose immediately. And part of what the CIA, or OSS, which became the CIA, and KGB, and other intelligence agencies supposed to do is track the proliferation of all this excess weaponry from World War II. Well, a lot of it ended up in the Jewish agency's hands, and they used it to attack Palestine and carve out what they call, in their own words, the Jewish state, uh, formed by terrorists, backed by terrorists, backed by acts of terrorism, bombing the SS Patria, bombing the embassy in Rome, blowing up trains, blowing up hotels, this is kind of this is how they created a state. Right. Well, anyway, that dovetails into Iran Contra, and so Iran Contra will involve a lot of the same people as September 11th. So that the fact that you be oh, how would the government really keep it secret and, and secretly finance Al Qaeda? Uh, well, they financed the Contras, so yeah, and they did, and we got a lot of evidence about it too. But this is the more serious side of 9/11 you never get to because everyone's like. I think that building fell too fast based on eyeballing it. And that's yeah, it. I'm Physics, right? Will, right. We'll get into this in a lot more detail. And um, because a lot of people are new listeners, so some of them may not even know the timeline of events that you're going to talk about in about 9-11. Uh, so I wanted to make this a bit more like snappy for them just so that they... Well, do you want to skip to 2001? I mean, that's fine. No, no, I want to go to 1993 if that's possible. But before we do... Oh, well, yeah, well, that's a big one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so before we do, though, uh, there's a couple of points. Uh, guys, any questions you've got, put them in the comments. But just quickly, Ryan, because obviously people are going to assume that you are also kooky and that you're coming out with statements without backing them up. So one of the questions we've got is, do you have a receipt for your claims? Absolutely. I've, I've made films, and that's if you watch the Fresh and Fit, we put them on the screen. Like, a lot of this information is just from the 302s, some FOIA requests that got our own FBI admitting what they've done. And Iran-Contra had a huge public trial, but that's not, like, a secret anymore. You know, like, this is, this is known. 
as far as the weapons stuff and stuff, go watch my film New America. I'm going to have the declassified documents from 2011 and also 2015 from Richard Helms. We had the investigation of John Hayden testing the flora and fauna outside the Mona, finding 97% enriched uranium. It's just that LBJ, after somebody killed Kennedy, uh, decided to squash this information, as did Ford, who was on the Warren Commission. And so it took a long time to, for this to be publicly released, but it's well known. And everything I'm saying is documented, and usually by our own government institutions. It's just classified. 10 years or so, and then they declassify it, but they don't report on it, so no one knows. Classic example, recently, because of the gray zone and RT and some other people picked up the fact that there could have been some CIA assets in 9-11 hijackers, and the two they zoomed in on was Nawif Al-Hazmi and Khalid Al-Midhar, who were on Flight 77. Well, that was already, that was already known, that's in the joint inquiry by the Senate from 2002. But they sat on it till 2015. But from 2015 to now, right, eight years, this is well-known information in my circles, but it didn't get any attention. And, and we're going to get into uh, It's like, well, we're gonna, we're gonna get you, you can go read it. It's free. Go to Google, right, Joint Inquiry, Senate Investigation in 9-11. Do a control F for, let's say, Omar Bayoumi or Osama Bhatnan and start reading. It'll blow your mind. This is public information. The, the thing is, this isn't like super secret stuff. It's just not on TV. And if, that, if that's hard to get your head around, think about this. When's the last time they talked about Israeli settlements on television, right? When's the last time when Israel attacked Lebanon, that that was on CNN or whatever, that they took a war plane and fired at an airport in Damascus, excuse me, in Syria, right? Or Lebanon, really, but like when? It's not on TV. And so it's out of sight, out of mind. They did it, and it's in written press, right? But for a lot of people, like if it's not on CNN, Fox, MSNBC, it didn't happen. Well, it was not my fault. You don't read. And guys, um, and so, so, Suleiman, I have just one quick question for you. Yeah. Do you mind if I ask him a question? It might make things a bit more spicy, but from a very friendly. Bring on the spice, man! Bring on the spice. Anyone can ask any question. Anyone who's on the panel can ask any question. The only thing I say is, if we keep it to like the topics, because I want to have a bit of structure. Oh, it's on topic. So, like for example, we're going to go into 1993. We're going to go into 1999. We're going to go into September 11. We're going to go into the, you know, we're going to go into the trucks. We're going to go into the R students. We're going to go into all of it. But just that's that's the structure. There, go ahead. So, I'm just going to go right in the middle and we'll jump to the beginning, but I think this is, in this kind of Twitter space, most of the people here, I, I imagine, I assume, I think I, I'm right about this, we kind of all have our questions about 9-11. Either you're, you know, like, way on the radical side, like Ryan was saying, that there's no such thing as COVID, or at the very least, you're skeptical, otherwise you may not even have joined this space in the first place. And I actually didn't know who Ryan was before about a month and a half ago. In fact, the first person that put me on to him was censored man. Said, you should look into this this person. I'm like, I didn't know who he was. He didn't give me a link. And when I actually finally did, I was blown away because the things that Ryan was saying actually validates how he was the first person to be canceled because he was talking about the Zog and things that even me saying it, I don't want to say because it's a recorded Twitter space. You know what I mean? So uh, having said that, there is one 
question that I have for you, Ryan, that I think a lot of people here may be asking, and that's about Tower 7. So there's a lot of things you see here about, like, nanothermite. <laughs> there was no plane. It was a, it was a, a loose, what do you call it, a, a hologram or, or whatever. Putting yeah. those aside. So I want to hear more about your take on Tower 7, because from my point of view, when I look at that, and I haven't like researched it to the level that you have, which is why I'm genuinely and sincerely asking, as as a person who respects your work very much, is nothing. There's no plane that hit that thing. A pigeon didn't even sit on the roof that I can tell of. How did it just come down? So that's that's my question, and then we can go back. Yeah, but I think there's a lot. So, it's on a lot of people's mind on the space. Sure, a couple of things to address on there. For well, one, when you start debunking kook stuff, they automatically go, "Oh, so official story." It's a light switch brain, right? So it's A or B. And they'll say, well, if not that, then that means you're just like a government shill, and they stop listening. No, I, I agree with you, because most people yeah. can't hold more than one or two I was doing the stuff, and then it, it wasn't hit by a plane, but it was. It did have another building fall on it, which is unusual. And it was also allowed to burn without even finding it, because so many firemen died on 9-11. They were in Tower 1 and Tower 2, and it collapsed on top of them. They didn't even have the hoses. So the thermite stuff... We don't even use thermite in demolitions that we do on purpose. Because it's unreliable. We use shade charges. So if you were going to blow up your building, you just use C4. Um, or any kind of shade charge, RDX, whatever. You use plastic explosives. You're not going to use thermite. Especially if you needed to go in sequences, like did it, did it, did it, floor by floor. You can't do that with thermite. Nanothermite is not even a thing. I mean, they make it stupid on purpose. And it's, it, what blows my mind, if you're sitting there trying to go through the debris, which they think doesn't exist. They think it either got justified is one camp, and the other ones all got sent to India and China. It didn't. Most, some of it did. majority of the steel beams from all the towers is sitting in a scrap yard in New Jersey right now. You can go photograph it. It's, and it's very much there. It didn't turn into dust or anything. Most of the steel, they see, we're like, oh, did you melt it? Look, it's cut at 45 degrees. I'm like, yeah. The fire department did that. How far they're scanning it in front of it. So if you load it on trucks and bring it to the scrapyard, you can't just leave it poking out of the what used to be where the towers were. Larry Silverstein's bullet thing, if you listen to the full context, is there was so much loss of life already, meaning all the firemen that died in the World Trade Center 1 and 2, that we decided to pull it, and we did. We pulled out and watched the building burn. It meaning the operation to try to save the building. Not a single fireman was shot, right? And I know people are going to be like, <laughs> but James, well, you, you have, you have also videos of people. I know. You, I know. you have footage of the firemen saying it's going to come down, stay away, it's going to come right. down. Right, they're, like, they're like, that one's next, that one's gone. Yeah. And that's how New Yorkers fuck. And, a lot, and the whole world found this out with Donald Trump. You know, like everything's huge. Well, I'm a New Yorker. Everything's the best, the most, whatever. And a lot of New Yorkers, when they say, oh, that building's gone, that building's done, they mean it's as good as gone. It's still there, obviously, because they're looking right. at it. But they, what they mean is there's no way that thing's going to make it, and it didn't. And it wasn't shocking. Now, that does not mean there wasn't any kind of demolition. But what it means is you're overplay, you're overselling your argument when you're like, oh, it's impossible for it to fall from fire. No, it's not. And, oh, it wasn't hit by a plane. Yeah, but it got hit by another tower. Every single floor was on fire. What they do is they cherry pick and go, oh, it's only pockets of fire on floor 22. Yeah, at 9 in the morning, you know, before the other towers fell. 
Um, once the tower fell on top of it, the entire the entirety of that building was on fire. The southwest corner was physically missing, where it had been destroyed, and the other tower hitting it. Um, and not a single person was shocked when it fell. In fact, they thought more buildings were going to fall. Building 6 was also in flames. It was like between the two towers. And they, they want to focus in on this and argue about physics and, and analyze debris for, for, you know, thermite, which is nothing other than rust and aluminum. Like, oh, wow, common rust, iron oxide, and aluminum. When there's tons of aluminum all throughout those buildings, plus aluminum flames, they're like, you're going to find that on a nano level. Shocking. What's next? I found concrete next to glass. Amazing. <laughs> Stupid. It's like anarchist cookbook stuff. It's not what happened. I got a little one trying to break in the room. Huh. I'm gonna move. Yeah, yeah, cool. So while you're doing that, Ryan, Hello. guys, anybody who's um, a subscriber, I will bring you up to their space to ask any questions. Again, we're gonna keep it structured. But um, if you're following, just ask questions on the comments, and we will try and get to them questions. And um, Ryan, I wanted to bring a bit of structure to this. What? Oh, hold on, I'm gonna finish oh, that sorry, point before my on, kid interrupted on, me. It's like. It's like you're sitting there looking around debris for stuff that doesn't matter. When, dude, there are people caught in vans packed with explosives that work for a foreign intelligence agency who celebrated the event. This isn't I 100% agree with you. You're acting like that didn't happen. And like, who cares about what you think might be fun by the whatever? It's like, you've got actors from a foreign state in moving company vans, which was a front organization that gave logistical support to Al-Qaeda hijackers who were celebrating the filming the event, and they got traces of his explosives in one van and packed with explosives in the other. You've got the live reports from Pat Dawson and Rick Sanchez saying the fire department found a van with a suspicious device, an explosive device, parked in the World Trade Center garage, which is very similar to what they did in 1993 with the Ryder truck bomb. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree with you 100%. Why nanothermite's a bigger deal than urban moving systems? That that makes oh, we gotta perfect study, sense. We got to study the debris for nanothermite because, you know, freaking uh, Stephen Jones, the guy that leaves in cold fusion and a bunch of other retarded stuff, said so. But, you know, that's the guy on Alex Jones, so that's the story they've heard. And they're like, well, if it's nanothermite, only the government can make nanothermite, and therefore the government blew up the towers. Like, yeah, if okay, so if the government knows it's supposed to look at least look like airplanes took it down Al Qaeda did it by themselves, why would they put in uh, an element to take down the towers that could only be traced back to themselves? I mean, that's like the Skripple stuff or the Litvinenko murder where a guy dies of polonium. I'm like, oh yeah, Russian FFB decided to kill a low-level schmuck with an 11 million dollar radioactive poison that could only be traced back to Russia. Uh huh. <laughs> like. You could have just, I don't know, stabbed them or anything. Or to kill rice and any common poison would have worked. No, no, we're going to use polonium. And what happened there was he was smuggling polonium into the UK and accidentally overdosed by getting too close to it. That's what happened. And they're not so going to just, use... Just, just they're not going to hit them, them out of and then plant yeah, I, pieces of a plane and all this. Like, they just hit it with a fucking plane. And they let Building 7 burn down. There was no way it was going to survive. You could argue about whether Shanksville plane was supposed to go to New York and hit that or not, but mm. if you don't try to put the fire out, fire will burn down a building. That's what it does. That's what happened to Glasgow building in Iran. That's what happened to Madrid, Spain. What's funny is the kooks will point to Madrid and go, look, it didn't fall down. Like, no, look, 
everything above the 20th floor did collapse. You know why the 20th floor and below didn't? Because they had hoses on it. They couldn't reach above that, so everything they didn't reach burned completely down. And that was a steel building, too. So, so, so just, just to clarify your position on, on uh, WTC7, it's that there may have been explosives, but why bother with that when you have incontrovertible evidence on the document side? You could look at FBI 302s, people failing uh, yeah. <laughs> lie detector tests, polygraphs, sure. refusing to take them, yeah. being caught on like bridges with trucks full of explosives. Why is that not the headline? And nanothermite or whatever the hell? Why are we even talking about this? What's the, what's the because point? Because it's dumb. Please. There was no nanothermite. That's not even the thing they've used. You could have a truck bomb in WG7 if you had them in World Trade Center 1 and 2. It's reasonable speculation. Right. Like, well, I mean, you had bombs in vans in these two, so maybe that one as well. Well, there's no evidence for it, but it's not unreasonable. But it is speculation. But it doesn't matter. Like, because you already, from the first World Trade Center, second World Trade Center, have them dead to rights. As far as them renouncing on the BBC that had fallen before they'd fallen, because that's the report they're getting from these New Yorkers. They're like, Saying that building's gonna go or about to go. Yep. Yep. And the, and they even said that. But you know what's funny to me is they announced actually uh, at ten forty five in the morning that a fifty story building had fallen. So that's the better evidence. And there's also the the testimony from Amari saying, Come up to the roof of urban movement systems, they're about to take down the second tower. Which means like, how do you know when something's about to go? Like well, who's they and how are they taking it down? Not like, oh, it's about to go. It's, they are about to take it down, right? So that kind of evidence, this from Dominic Suter and stuff, right? They, this is how you know, like, wait, what do you mean? Do they, it's burning, so you're going to help it along with maybe, let's say, a truck bomb in the parking garage in the basement levels, you know, underground, which's been evacuated, no one's going to see. Yeah, maybe that. So maybe that's how they hit level seven. But it, who cares? You don't have to sit there and waste all this time on the physics of 9-11 when you know dead to rights from all the other evidence I'm about to go right. over, yeah. from the anthrax and yeah, da, 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 like Ryan, this was this was definitely intelligence operations. So, so Ryan, uh, what it is is I, I just I want structure, and the reason for it is because, as you know, we're on basically we're on audio, and it's a lot more harder for people to follow. Like for example, your YouTube stuff, it's easier. You've got visual, visual people can follow it a lot more better. So I'll try and make this a bit more structured so that people get what's going on. Because one thing I want from this is for people to understand your perspective and understand the specific facts on the story. Well, I have the documents on all this oh, stuff. Yeah, like, so if, so if, you watch, if there's I'm any way watching. for you guys to put up the 302s on the jumbo truck, yeah. that'd be cool. But I'm going to be on Fresh and Fit again Friday and just to talk about uh, anthrax, art students, and stuff we didn't get to last time. Okay. So, uh, that's only in two days, so uh, it'd be no problem. But yeah, yeah. So, so let, let me. But this let, is let, this is what it is. Yeah, yeah, so let me explain to you. So, if somebody wants to see visual evidence of what Ryan's saying, he's been on Fresh and Fit before. You can see that he's also going to go on it again on Friday, and you can see that. In addition to that, he's made a video himself. If you want to see that, it's on his website. He'll provide us with a link. We'll put that up. You can check that out. Well, I have a movie. Oh, so you got yeah, a yeah. <laughs> five-hour movie. Yeah, yeah, so you got a five-hour movie. You can watch that as well, and it's very detailed. It's a snippets of it. But specifically for this space, because I don't want people to just come to this space, and I'm also like, they want to, I want them to learn from what happened as well as opposed to just coming here and just like, you know, so, I, so in terms of the structure of it, the first thing that it, I, I believe that you believe is important is what happened with the World Trade Center, World Trade Center bombing in 1993. 
So specifically, why do you think mm -hmm. what happened in 1993 is important and what happened then? All right, well, I'll tell you both. So for those who weren't alive, I guess, in 1993, the World Trade Center was attacked by a rider truck bomb. Six people were killed, hundreds got injured. And sort of the, the guy that made the bomb, his name was Ramzi Youssef. And he is the nephew of Khalid Sheikh Mohammed, the mastermind of September 11th, which attacked the exact same target. They did not catch him right after 93. And there's a whole bunch of screw ups in, in 1993 investigation that you can keep saying incompetence about so many times, right? Didn't like this was allowed. But anyway, he had a plot to hijack airplanes and run them into different targets in the United States. And so later, and there was also anthrax stolen from labs uh, the same month out of Fort Detrick, Maryland, by a guy named Philip Zacharias, um, who was part of this Zionist clique that did gain the function research on anthrax in Fort Detrick. Okay, so it seemed like the plan was going to be to hit the World Trade Center and follow up with a biological attack. Well, they hit the World Trade Center and it didn't fall. Um, only six people were killed. It's, you know, it would have been like 55,000 if they had gotten to the topple. And so it seemed like they did not follow up with the anthrax attack because they botched the attack in New York. But there are memos, and the FBI, the NSA, all your little three-letter goobers knew that the same guy that attacked the World Trade Center had the next plot to use airplanes to attack the World Trade Center again as well as other targets. So later, when you have people that the CIA, the NSA, as well as Saudi intelligence knew were Al-Qaeda operatives and met with Ramzi Youssef's uncle at an <laughs> Al-Qaeda summit meeting in Malaysia, are living in the U.S. and going to flight schools, right? They're going to flight schools, and there's a plan to use airplanes to hit the World Trade Center, and they act like, oh, we couldn't figure this out. We, did, we couldn't figure out that that was going to be the target and that they're going to use airplanes. Condoleezza Rice, former Second State, got up there and said that with a straight face about the Bin Laden memos. Thing. That is not true. Like, they are lying. They definitely knew. They had their phones tapped to the Hamburg cell that Mohammed Atta was part of. They were listening in. The Yemen cell, Al-Shahi and Repham, they knew. And they did not share this information with the FBI. And they knew that uh, at least three hijackers, when they came in, where they were living, what they were doing, because the Saudis had two assets, one named Osama Bathnan, who lived next door to them, another uh, Omar Bayoumi, and these guys rented their apartment, paid for their first month's rent, lived there for a month, um, got them to the Kurdish mosque, and there was a informant in the mosque in San Diego that also had this information. And they never arrest these guys. They never anything. They shouldn't have even gotten visas either. But that was all fast-tracked out of this program, the fast-track program in Jeddah, also out of Saudi Arabia. And they sent them money. And this is from Princess Haifa, which is Vandar Bush's wife. Sends it to Nawid Al-Khat, which is the wife of Omar Bayouni. But then gives it to the wife of Osama Basnan, who paid the hijackers. Straight up paid for them and gave them a house, helped them with English, all that to make sure that they got to their final destination and got on the plane, which ended up hitting the Pentagon. Now, all these kooks 
sort of like denying that there is a plane at the Pentagon. The reason that that gets hyped up so much and they say it's a missile and stuff because of the music video and some other dumb stuff is if you don't have an airplane, then you don't have the people who are on that airplane. And so if you don't have the people who are on Flight 77, the entire story about Nawaf al-Hazmi and Khalid al-Midhar getting support from Saudi intelligence and having their ring spied on by the CIA and knowing that they're meeting with Randy Youssef's uncle, all that disappears. That whole paper trail disappears because you're, you're denying airplanes. And you sound like a fucking retard. And so, um, and just coming back to the 9-11 bombing as well, in addition to that, and I listened that you mentioned that there was also explosives in the, on the first floor that was taken. Did I understand that right? Or did I understand that right? Also explosives where? On the, on the basement on the ground floor. When they tried to bomb. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well. So if you want to expand on that. Because I yeah, I mean, that got reported live. Your argument is that that's par that parallels with what happened in September 11th. Yeah, I mean, they used a truck bomb in 1993 and blew it up and made a giant crater but they parked it in the wrong place it wasn't close enough to the wall to cause the foundation to collapse they probably should add two trucks but anyway it didn't do the damage they thought but this is exactly what they did uh seemingly obviously they ran airplanes everybody saw that that hit above a lot of eyewitnesses which is i know they're not the best but the cops and fire department found some of these vans before they went off parked in the basement levels where there's an underground parking garage at the World Trade Center went all the way down to the subway they found a van with explosives in it and that's all you need and so a lot of the witnesses are hearing boom 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 below at the same time the plane hits above that's what everybody's saying and so it appears that in tandem with the uh, airplanes that Al-Qaeda may have had truck bombs in the basement to assist that plus uh, the fire prevention systems in both World Trade Centers have been sabotaged prior to the hijackings which would maximize the damage from fire because the sprinkler systems aren't coming on and a team of guys who got caught in Tennessee for a separate sting or a separate situation one of them had a pass his name is Sakura Hamad uh, on his person at the time, he's working for a man named Khalid Odawa, which was to do work at the World Trade Center. It was dated September 5th. And they said, well, who are you working for? What were you doing? Oh, we're working on the, we're working on the fire prevention systems. Oh, where are you now? So, you, but the Port Authority didn't hire you. So who hired you? And the best they can think of is maybe some tenant, but they never questioned, well, who was it? It was Zen Shipping which is owned by the Israelis, which moved out of the towers just weeks um, before they were attacked. So I'm like, well, they're not even, their whole lease space is empty anyway. So what were you moving? What, what sprinkler system were you working on? They weren't working on the sprinklers. They were sabotaging the sprinkler system. And we know because the company that they worked for, Ninco Mechanical, wasn't even a real business. It was just some Jewish guy's residential address in New York and he and David Connell got caught because I have the papers on all this too, the district attorney. Fabricating fire prevention credentials saying that they had fire suppression credentials, letters from all these people that were completely fake. But none of those people gave them those recommendations. So you have a fake company with fake credentials hiring people to do work they did not do in the World Trade Center, which was not approved by the Ford Authority. 
And then a woman in a case where these guys all go to jail, she was worked at the DMV to give them fake license for these aero trucks, which are the exact same trucks that urban movie systems all these people would be using, is murdered the day before a trial, burned so badly her arms fell off, in a car that Khalid Odala had given her as a bribe to get all these fake licenses in Tennessee. Why in Tennessee? Because you don't need a social security number in 2001 to get a driver's license in Tennessee. So Ryan, 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 I, I just want to highlight, I just want to highlight Zim for a second. So Ryan, you just mentioned Zim. So for the audience, Zim is an Israeli shipping company. They're one of the largest shipping companies, container moving companies and shipping companies in the world. And they had a lease in the world. I think it was Tower One. And they terminated their contract just a few months before um, the, the September 11th. And they paid a huge penalty. And they, look, they, and then they moved to Norfolk, Virginia. Zim was used to ship uranium to Israel, too. Like, the Zim ships were the ones that went to Red Hook when you had, you know, Anastasia and Lansky, the mob ran those, and they were putting um, uranium and other illegal arms, TNT and stuff, inside of boilers and, you know, mislabeled products to ship to Israel so they could use them on their assault on Palestine. So, I, I just have a question for you on Zim, Ryan. We'll come yeah. to that in a second, because you know what it is? A lot of people are messaging that, you know, when we're not having structure, they're not understanding what's happening. So I just want to summarize what you said in 1993. So in 1993, yeah, yeah so, so don't worry, like, anyone can jump in but on the specific topics, because I know how hard it is. Oh, I can dumb it down. Let me, let me dumb it down. In 1993, a guy used a truck bomb to attack the World Trade Center. That guy's uncle is the mastermind of 9-11, and he had a plan to, for a second attack using airplanes. And so later, it is, it is beyond the pale for the, all these American intelligence agencies to say we couldn't imagine they were going to use airplanes to attack the World Trade Center when they literally have the planes to use airplanes to attack the World Trade Center and they know these guys are going to flight school. I mean, there's no way. They let it happen minimal. Awesome. But it actually gets worse than that, which I'm going to explain later. Awesome. And I like that. So if we give the details, and then we can summarize it so people understand what's happening. Now, moving on. Yeah, I like that, too. I'm going to get, I'll spurg out, and then I will dumb it down. Yeah, that's awesome. That's <laughs> amazing. <laughs> Guys, you know, Simplify. Uh, a lot of people are messaging saying, look, there's no structure and, like, what's going on. So, no, we appreciate it. So, anyone got any questions for Ryan about 1993? Not about uh, anything after 993, because we're going to go on to that. Anyone from the panel? Nick, go ahead. Yeah, no, I just... we, we have a video on that, too. Like, myself, this guy named Adam Fitzgerald went over for about mm, 40 minutes or so with all the names and details about the 1993 attack. Yeah, and it's video. on Rumble. Right. Oh, it's on Rumble. My, it's on my Rumble channel. Oh, yeah. So check that out on Ryan's Rumble channel, so he goes into detail about that. But sorry, go ahead, Nick. You've got a question? Just a quick... Is there any um, figures on how much uh, money, like... Uh, was going to like for for them to actually live, like how much it was. It was in the tens of thousands that they got. We know that. Um, so what they do is a bag man would bring in about a hundred thousand, and then they often would deviate that out to the other people. So who, how much each one got, we don't know. But um, it didn't cost that much just to rent apartments and move them around and stuff. But they had to constantly keep them off of uh, the trail of local authorities. So they got moved around. Muhammad Atta lived in like 16 different places. And so they had to get them, you know, uh, fake IDs, licenses, so they could drive. Um, you know, they, they had to pay for it, all their hotels and all their apartments. So it was a little chunk of change. But this isn't like a multi-million dollar thing or anything. 
but they didn't have any money. So they're wiring that in. Yeah. And like, if you were smart, you know, you would just have someone already there with a bunch of cash, you know, and uh, they go pick it up at a drop point one day and done. But that's not what they did. So, <laughs> awesome. Uh, I don't think they knew all who was going to really do it or not. I mean, these are suicidal hijackers. It's not easy to find. And that's that's kind of quick follow up is while they were in America before this happened in 1993, did, was was there did they befriend any Americans? You know, or or, or anything? Is there any people that? Uh, okay, I, I'm glad you asked that because Ramsey Youssef was an audible. The first guy they had to build the bomb was actually an FBI informant, and they were trying to get him climb up the ladder to get the blind shake, which is a different target they had. And, you know, he was get he's like, I'm not wearing a wire. And they kept insisting on it. He's like, I'm not going to do that. Like, you're going to get me killed. He got cold feet, and they yanked him off. But he was like, hey, they're building a bomb. They're going to attack something in New York. Come in and arrest these guys. Nope. And so they lost their informant, and this could be incompetence or whatever. So when that guy got pulled off, uh, by the FBI and his uh, to his own volition because he was getting scared. They were trying to force him to do stuff he didn't want to do. Well, he had to get replaced. And they were, <laughs> the terrorists replaced him with Ramsey Youssef, who ended up who they didn't have any eyes on, who ended up being a thousand times worse, and his blood relatives to the 9-11 mastermind. So what a coincidence. <laughs> they knew that they were going to, they were building a bomb and putting it in a truck. And so why didn't they go arrest him? Why did they go to the warehouse and get them there before they reached the World Trade Center and blew up the truck? It's only by luck that the hapless dope that drove the car parked it in the wrong spot. I mean, that could have killed thousands. And then they got to, like, a, a second try because they never went in and arrested these people that were going to flight schools who had been to Al-Qaeda meetings and met the man whose nephew bombed the World Trade Center and literally wrote out a plan to use airplanes to attack targets in the United States. It was going to include the West Coast, too. Fortunately, they didn't do that one. All right, guys, yeah. There was a fifth plane on 9-11, too, Flight 23. 9-11 it, it, was almost a lot bigger than it ended up being. Only three planes hit their targets, and only four got hijacked. But it was supposed to be 16. So guys, uh, if you've got any questions, put them on comments. I'll try. We're going to get to the point where we get to questions at the end, um, and we will go to subscribers first um, for those who don't want to join the panel. Now, Ryan, moving on to 1999, you mentioned that there was a dry run in Ohio in terms of the attacks. If you just want to elaborate on that, well, it's in the air, but yeah, they they had to ground the plane in Ohio, and <laughs> these guys, Bach and Hosh, I call them, Kadine. They, um, their tickets were paid for by the Saudi consulate. They tried to enter the cockpit of an airplane several times, kind of testing out security, in my opinion. And so they grounded the plane because he got, oh, I'm just trying to get to the bathroom. Why are they all these lame excuses? They were trying to get to the pilot, but they realized, you know, this is why they brought a lot of muscle on 9-11. Like, we're going to need some muscle to get up there. Because the stewardesses and stuff were able to keep them at bay. And... They could have been, okay, maybe these people are just retarded, but they're not. I mean, they were going to a consulate meeting in Washington, D.C. with the Saudis. These are educated guys. They knew where bathrooms are on planes. All that's an excuse. But they messed up bad because the man who was in, uh, 
their car, who drove them to the airport, was an Al-Qaeda recruiter in Arizona. So it's like, oh yeah, you just got to ride to the airport with an Al-Qaeda recruiter and decided to give him your car after you flew, because apparently they didn't think they were coming back. You know, mission failed. And you know what they did to get out of it? They started crying racism. And during the trial, the FBI director switched, like, during the trial. This is the 99s, and Mueller comes in by the time of the trial and let him off. Had no interest in the same guy that chased around Donald Trump over nothing, and now we all find it out. It was an over nothing. Something we should all know. I did know. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, our FBI, again, is assisting Al-Qaeda. I mean, damn, you're trying to hijack a plane or go into the cockpit for some reason and just coincidentally your rental car and, and your driver are not just in Al-Qaeda, but they're Al-Qaeda recruiters and did training camps in Afghanistan. Huh. What a coincidence. Not. So now moving on to... And nothing was done. So that, that's even more evidence of look, they're trying to get a plane. Because there was going to be what they called the millennial plot on New Year's. They were going to crash a bunch of planes. Same thing. And nothing done. So now, Ryan, and moving on to September the 11th. And, and you know what? Just a second. Sure. That story, nobody reported that story about 99 after 9-11. It took until 2017 before people started paying attention to it. And it got picked up by like Press TV, New York Post and stuff. And I'm like, well, what was going on in 2017? And he suddenly started talking about these Saudis driving around in 9-11. I was like, any time Saudi Arabia refuses to up oil production or do what the U.S. says, they leak a story about their role in 9-11. And this just happened when China went down and negotiated between Saudi Arabia and Iran to knock off the war in Yemen. And what happens? Well, suddenly we know this story about uh, possible Saudi assets, right? It, it's just a, yeah, it's like a threat, a failed right, threat. About them redacted documents, were they, were they legitimate? The ones... Well, the yeah, they're, they're, so... The government, everyone thinks the 9-11 Commission report was the investigation. It was not the investigation, it was a investigation. The much more rich and uh, investigation into September 11th was done by the Senate. It's called the JIS report. The joint inquiry was an investigation in September 11th. The tent bomb is what it was nicknamed, investigation. And then there's separate things about anthrax. But in that JIS report, there's lots of redactions. But there's a certain section of 28 consecutive pages of blank, right? That uh, was declassified. In 2015, I went and lobbied to get this done, and it, the whole last hour of my film is imploring people to get this done. I already had the information in my film, but you need this unredacted to prove it to the plebs. So I already talked to a leaker in the DOD, and da, da, da. And so, when it was unredacted, it said everything I was just saying about Osama bin Laden, or about you, me, da, 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 except they still kept the piece redacted saying that they had gone to an Al-Qaeda summit meeting in Malaysia. That piece of the information, knowing, showing that the CIA had tracked these guys and knew what they were doing, comes from Julian Assange and Private Manning. Private Bradley Manning, now Chelsea Manning, whatever, talked about that. And boy, they threw the book at both of them, didn't they? They went after the whistleblowers instead of the criminals who were covering it up. Classic USA. Makes me proud to be American.
So just to summarise, up until 2001, you're essentially saying there was the attempt at World Trade Center, there was the plane in Ohio, both of them are, have links yep. to the Saudi government, actually it was basically financed by the Saudi and government Al-Qaeda. and Al-Qaeda, yeah. and uh, yep. the, basically the three letter agencies had knowledge of it most likely. Right, and in 93 they tried to blame on the Muslim Brotherhood, but you know, it's always some boogeyman. I was like, how come it keeps going back to the Saudi intelligence and U.S. intelligence? Because it always does. But that's the... Uh, so now, so now we'll, That's the uh, infantile compared to how deep the Israeli role was. <laughs> okay, so now moving on to September the 11th. You've got... You're moving on to September the 11th. You've got a scenario where you've got at least... Um, so you've got these um, guys who were involved. So the first question is, in September the 11th, is it that the finances continue and are the people who involved in the hijacking the same people or linked to the previous uh, two incidences? Well, they're linked to the USS Cole bombing, which is a terrorist attack uh, in Yemen, where it's odd because the ship was supposed to go to Bahrain. It just stops there. It gets attacked by somebody. Um, a lot, almost everybody that was involved in that attack that went to prison was released from prison. <laughs> you know, they weren't, it wasn't a breakout, they just let them go, let them escape. And one of the people involved ends up becoming a 9-11 hijacker. He's on Interpol's most wanted list and all that, and still somehow gets a visa to the United States, using his real name, worked at a gas station and everything, and they never come down and arrest this guy. They're like, that could just be on incredible levels of incompetence, because it is government after all, and so maybe. Um, all these things could be incompetence, but when you, it's not like a single event. It's when you add them all together, say, come on, guys. This is on purpose. Incompetence is the plausible deniability. So, um, okay, so coming back to the, uh, what happened. So walk us through some of the important incidents that happened, because I know you've got this. Uh, you've got, first of all, the incident, what happened in terms of there was the trucks, on the ground floor, which is with explosives. So, if you want to tell us a bit about that, yeah, I mean that's reported live. Pat Dawson, no relation. Rick Sanchez, and there's some other written media. But it it only happened on September 11th, maybe the 12th, and then that was all memory hole. But they said, you know, there's a van. They police have found a suspicious device in a van, which they think might be some kind of explosive. That's what they're saying. And I'm like, okay, well, that was weird, van with explosives in it. Later, completely separate from that, you have a van pulled over near the George Washington Bridge, packed with explosives. And Dan Rathers reported that on CBS. Uh, another woman from CBS reported it, it was on Fox as well, that there's a, a explosive-laden van. Now, is this similar to the other van? Hmm. Why they pull over a van randomly? You know, the George Washington Bridge. Because New York had shut down the Lincoln Tunnel, Holland Tunnel, and George Washington Bridge after September 11th. So it's not like you could use it anyway. But anyway, they find this near the Meadowlands. Then there's two other vans found. One has the infamous dancing Israelis in it. And that van had, according to the bomb-sniffing dogs, traces of explosives. And then there's another van in Liberty State Park. And then they put out a diversion Ryan, uh, Ryan, thing about a yeah, van on King Street with explosives Ryan, that was Ryan, fake stories. It's echoing a little bit. And it's, 
Oh, yeah? All right, go out. <laughs> Sorry, continue, yeah. continue, though. Yeah. I just want to let you know because it's happening. I just moved to another country. My room's kind of empty. That's why it echoes. <laughs> no, it's, it's fine now. It's fine now, Ryan. Can I just ask you, when were these vans found with explosives? What what date or what time? or September 11th. The right, one was so found that before? morning before the towers fell. Okay. Right? So sometime between 8.46 and by the time, well, it depends which tower it was in that they found it in. But, you know, before they collapsed, obviously... Um, and they actually dragged one of these out to the Church of Dades, which is like two blocks away. They towed it out there. To look, and look, there's explosives in a van. And they caught and arrested the men on the George or near the George Washington Bridge, two people. Bernard Carrick, the police commissioner, gets questioned about this, or Giuliani gets questions about it. And every time that came up, he'd defer to the police commissioner. And Bernard Carrick never denied that there were men arrested or that there was a van full of bombs. He just would not answer. They would, well, that's being investigated. Blah, blah, blah. He never said that's fake news or anything. But this guy, the police commissioner in New York, who ended up going to jail for 10 years <laughs> for fraud and other things, he used to work with mafia. No, he got paid um, bread from the Israelis, by the way. That's why well, he that's not why he went to jail. That's well, something he did. He did. Oh, again, this is a separate from the Whitcock drive, though. So he had been in, um, you have to think, this guy does it more than once. He was, he was in Israel from August 26th to August 29th. Think of this, August 29th, okay, September 11th, right, less than two weeks, where he got a quarter million dollar loan bribe from a man, the richest man in Israel, Atin Wertheimer, who was on the board of governors for the Jewish agency, which is who sent Paul Kersberg and his crew, the dancing Israelis who were seen you know, celebrating the attack and all that. He had an intermediary named Steve Whitcock, who's a Marvel dealer in New York, went through Carrick's wife. No conditions to repay the loan or anything. So, yeah, you get a quarter million dollar loan, which is like half a million dollars today. Out of the blue, from the, a billionaire Israeli businessman, you know, giving it to the police commissioner in New York, who's the same guy that says somebody handed him a passport. <laughs> oh, look, we found a passport of a hijacker made of paper, which is not impossible, but very, very, very improbable that that just floated down from the plane and was found that same day, you know, by the police commissioner. But I don't believe a word Carrick says. He's always taking bribes from the Israelis. He, he was compromised because he was cheating on his wife and it's among some other things. Giovessin Gambino had his number. Uh, Giuliani was all mobbed up too, although he, he cracked down on crime selectively, all but his own group, right? Very typical New York stuff. Um, but anyway, where has it gone with that? Yeah, so Carrick is the police commissioner, and he did field questions from the media because they were asking him September 12th, September 13th, about the men arrested in a van full of bombs. And he would just refuse to tell you anything more about the investigation. He didn't say what men. He said they're in custody, so somebody's in jail for doing that. But it got really whitewashed. Now, now who would have the power <laughs> to prevent the entire U.S. media from talking about something that important? Were they Israelis? Obviously, dude. They're in the same kind of van. That's why they got pulled over. So let me, I have to tell this story first so that that'll make sense. There was a man named Dominic Suter who had a moving company called Urban Moving Systems. Three of his employees were witnessed celebrating September 11th. 
they drove to a place called Dort Tower. It's like on a high rise in New Jersey. Across the river, you can see where the World Trade Centers used to be. They had been witnessed there. One of them, Sivan Kirschberg, had been witnessed there on September 10th. So he's casing the joint, you know, seeing the view, as well as the 7th. Um, their van had been parked there. It was witnessed by two men who were uh, making a billboard sign. Uh, another man who, who lived in Dora Tower, as well as a woman, uh, Maria Septonrelli, who ends up calling the police on them. She didn't just see the car. She saw them right after or as the first plane hit. She looks out there to see what's going on because there's a big kaboom, right? She looks out her window, and these guys are out there high-fiving and hugging each other and dancing around, which is odd behavior. You know, a plane just crashed. Why is that funny? A bunch of people just died in that plane and on that building. You, you wouldn't even know it's a terrorist attack, right? You might think, dang, somebody screwed up. Why is that awesome? Well, they're there, and they had a video camera. They're filming it. They're flicking lighters. They're clearly happy that this had happened. And they're in an urban moving system van. So she took out her binoculars. She wrote down the license plate. Uh, they hung out there for a while, you know. But the problem was this woman didn't call the police until her husband got home. Uh, I don't know why, but when her husband, she called her neighbors and they were gossiping about it or whatever and frightened and watching the news, what happened with this plane. Because then another plane came. Then they realized it's a terrorist attack. Everybody remembers how they felt on 9-11, how, how spooky, creepy the feeling was. When her husband comes home uh, near 3 o'clock, because they get arrested at 3.06, says, calls, and they, they put out a bolo for an urban moving systems van with this license plate. They found them in the van, except now there are five people in the van instead of three. One of the five was the brother of the original three. His name is Paul Kersberg. Sivan Kersberg's driving the van. And do you know what he said to the cop when they first pulled him over? We're not your problem. Your problem are our problem. The Palestinians are the problem. What? <laughs> Unprovoked just starts talking about Palestine out of the blue, right? The plan appears to have been that they were going to blame the truck bombs on Hamas because there was an anonymous call made by somebody who said they saw Palestinian bomb makers in a van headed for the Holland Tunnel from the airport. Uh, and they used, like, broken English. And that's how they did it. Okay, so instead of looking for that van, the cops just, or the Holland Tunnel, the police closed off all the tunnels, Lincoln Tunnel, Holland Tunnel, and the George Washington Bridge, set up a dragnet. No Palestinian bomb makers ever came. Someone else did, though. And that van got caught and was full of explosives. And it was not full of Palestinians. So they did, but that happened around 10.45 at night. The dancing Israelis got pulled over about 3 in the afternoon. Blue sky and all that. All the other reports are at nighttime about the George Washington Bridge. By then, those other guys are already being in custody. They took their van to the Meadowlands, to this like sports center that they converted into the, the bomb squad. Just took over this like... Uh, this place that would just sell, you know, baseball bats and tennis rackets and stuff. They turned, they converted that into their little makeshift uh, uh, outfit, sort of looking for bombs in vehicles. And they found traces of explosives had been in that van as well. And um, the men in it, Savon Kersberg, Yarn Schmel, uh, Oded Elmer, Paul Kersberg, and Omer Mamari, were all Israeli. 
all work for the Urban Movement Systems company, whose owner, by the way, ends up fleeing to Israel, shuts down the business. So he shut down the business that afternoon, and yet all of them are driving around in the company car, right? skis in the back. They had immediate tickets to destinations all over the world, Australia, Germany, India. They're, they're going all over the place. So a little odd because these like minimum wage uh, furniture movers, they randomly quit their job on a random Tuesday in September and have enough money to go on exotic vacations around the world. And uh, also, Elmer had $4,700 cash stuffed in like a fanny pack. And which, you know, most people don't walk around New York with five grand in cash. Uh, and most people that work at moving companies don't have five grand in cash, much less um, plane tickets to immediately leave the country. Um, but they got arrested and jailed for 71 days. All of them, they failed their polygraph test. They all had different stories about where they were. Yarn Schmel said that they were on the West Side Highway. No, you weren't. You're at Doric Tower because it's on your own camera. Plus, there's a bunch of witnesses that saw you there. Um, they said, oh, we got there at 10 o'clock. No, you didn't. <laughs> You're like, everything out of their mouth is bullshit. All of us remember where we were on September 11th. Exactly. They couldn't. They couldn't remember what time they were, when they got to work, where they were, were they together, were they not together, were some of them together. They had no clue. And it's, they must have panicked because it's like, dude, we have your cameras. We're going to go through and find the photos you took of yourself showing what time you were there and, and all that. But they had rewound the time on the camera. So the photos place them at Doric and so do the witnesses. But the timestamp on the camera doesn't because it's 14 hours off. So they were fumbling around as they got arrested. The first thing they did was... Uh, change the date and time on the camera so that wouldn't definitely stick them there before the first plane hit, right? But here's the thing. Why would you change the time on the camera unless you were guilty? You just leave it how it was. Duh. Thanks for that, Ryan. So I'm just open to that because I know you're gonna, we're going to go into detail about these guys uh, because I did listen to your, your, your interview and you do go into detail about them to try and show what their links are, talk about their talk about the you know when they were questioned and so on and so forth so we will get into that but just before we do if you want to do me a favor uh just summarize what you said uh, or i can do it it's no problem uh just for so you know like this and make it dumb it down for everybody oh uh, all right so a lot of people think the dancing israelis van is like the van and that that van's the same van as the george washington bridge no it's all the same company right there's six companies actually they find out I'll get to that part of the story later. But there's a bunch of moving companies that are front for Israeli intelligence in the Jewish agency. Um, one van's caught near the George Washington Bridge full of bombs at around 10.45 at night. One van is pulled over with people who have been witnessed celebrating the attack and filming the first plane hitting. That's at 3 o'clock. They got witnessed, you know, around between, you know, 8.40, 9-something. Uh, another van's in Liberty State Park. And then they also found vans on 9-11 that morning before the towers collapsed with explosive devices in them, which is just like the attack in 1993, which is a rider truck van with bombs in it. Right. Now, so now let's get into these um, guys. Uh, essentially, I, I remember in the video you were talking about how when they were questioned, they, you mentioned a bit of it already now, the story didn't match up. They had lie detector tests and they failed those. 
So if you want to expand more on who the hijackers were. Yeah. And then they they're all military, which not a big deal because there's mandatory. And two of them, you said they were linked to Israel as well, but please continue. Two, well, they're all Israeli, but two of them were names were already on the counterintelligence database before they got arrested. So that was Paul Kersberg and Savan Kersberg. They were being monitored for something by the counterintelligence already before they got caught celebrating September 11th. And Paul Kersberg admitted the Jewish agency sent them there. That was redacted, but they didn't redact the footnote, <laughs> so it was still there. And I think that was on purpose. I think some of the FBI, like, left that clue uh, so that we'd find it in FOIAs. That's pretty stupid to redact something and not redact footnotes, but whatever. Um, yeah, I mean, they all, they're failing their polygraph test. They couldn't say where they were. They lied about their timeline, and they reround the um, clock on their camera. Why would you do that? Unless you didn't want someone to know where you were at a certain time. And why would you celebrate a plane hit? They even admitted on later, there was a Israeli TV interviewed and they're like, yeah, at first we thought it was an accident. You know, then when the second one hit, yeah, we maybe have been high-fiving and stuff because we realize America goes through what Israel always goes through, blah, blah, blah. The problem with that story is you were celebrating the first plane hitting, so you did not think it was an accident. You knew it was a terrorist attack and what was about to go down uh, because we're going to find out later that this is based on a a notebook in the van had a bunch of phone numbers to other moving companies, and they actually traced the fact that these guys went to one of these moving companies called White Glove Mover on 9-11. They went over there to celebrate with their cohorts. They also had a party September 10th, this giant party in Brooklyn at the Savan residence because they knew it was about to go down the next day. Talked to uh, the DJ that did provide the music for that party because there was a flyer in the van that had a number on it, so I had someone I could call, and <laughs> I heard what they were doing. They knew September 11th was coming. Thought it was going to be awesome. Drove out there to film it. Couldn't get their mouth shut. But White Glove Movers and Classic International Movers were on this list of numbers. And a person that worked at Classic International Numbers' personal phone number was also known to the dancing Israelis. They knew each other. That came out. Well, lo and behold, the Miami field office of the FBI contacted the Newark Division in New Jersey to say that Classic International Movers had given logistical support to a 9-11 hijacker all the way from Florida to New York. And uh, I did, through deduction, figured out that was Al Omari, with, who's in the ATM photo with Muhammad Atta, you know, Flight 11. But these moving companies were not only just living next door to 9-11 hijackers, they actually got them in their van and drove them across the country. <laughs> the Israelis were giving logistical support to the Al-Qaeda hijackers they were spying on. They knew goddamn well what they were planning and what they were doing, and they were helping them do it. So, what was the excuse that they gave to the police about the high five? And so, so just before you do answer that question, but I do answer Raphael's question, just a quick note, guys. If you've got any comments, put them in the bottom right. We will get to them, especially um, the ones that for like followers or subscribers. We've got about a thousand people listening, so just retweet so more people can check it out as well. Because obviously, what Ryan's giving okay, it's dense, it's good information, it's good knowledge, but at the same time, there's a good chance he probably could get banned soon as well. So make the most of it, and as can some of us. Yeah, join my Telegram just in case. Um, okay, so the excuse they gave. By the way, one of the five isn't really part of the clique. I'll talk about him 
and just remind me. So their excuse is, oh, we're just, you know, they're all in their 20s. We're just immature and kind of acting stupid. We, we just thought, well, you know, America America's going to bomb the hell out of someone now. Israel goes through this every day, Hamas rocket, which is not true, by the way. Like, Hamas is firing rockets at us every day. And so we know that the Americans are now going to side with us. Huh. Kind of like the anthrax notes that just said death to America, death to Israel on them, huh? But that story, you could say, okay, you're immature, 27-year-old, you see planes crash in a building, you think it's awesome because this is a terrorist attack, you know it's going to be Middle Easterners and Israel's enemies, and that's why you did it. Except you said out of your own mouth when the first plane hit, you didn't know it was a terrorist attack. You thought it was an accident. So, But that's what you're celebrating because the second plane hadn't hit yet, and you're witness out there celebrating the attacks. Only one tower has smoke coming out of it in your own fucking photograph, turd. So you're lying. Either you didn't think it was an accident, you knew it was a terrorist attack because you knew what the plot was the whole time. Getting that's correct. Or um, you're such a psycho that you saw a plane hit a building and just thought it was awesome and started flicking lighters and hugging and stuff. Why were you in place to film such a thing at the perfect location and all that? It's never explained. They don't have a good excuse. But the official excuse they gave is they're acting like they were celebrating after the second plane hit, which is not true. They were celebrating after the first. And that it was because that, you know, America will know what Israel goes through. That's what they said. For those who are curious, I just posted up on the Jumbotron a video of Yair Lapid, who, is, who would go on to become Prime Minister of Israel, interviewing the, uh, the dancing Israelis. And Lapid actually broke Israeli law by showing the Mossad uh, brothers, the Sylvan uh, and the other guy whose name escapes me right now, uh, Kurzberg on TV, on screen. And so oh, I don't think they're Mossad. They're Israeli intelligence, but these are not Mossad. These are lower than Mossad. That's why they speak right, up. Right, I was going to so ask bad. you that about that. So what, and that was actually a question I had. Why do you not? Why do you think they're not Mossad? And why? So th why would they basically? Because the Israeli Mossad is. Because I, as much as I dislike the Zionist regime, the Israeli Mossad is not as dumb as to take 24-year-olds noobs for an important operation like 9-11. They simply knew it was about to go down and didn't have the discipline to just sit still. They had to run out and film it and celebrate it and get their little trophy pictures and stuff. The crack agents would have been in their 30s and 40s, you know, and were, and those are the ones that didn't film themselves. <laughs> what we got was like the junior class uh, operatives who fucked up. Um, whoever made the phone call about the Palestinians, that sounds like Mossad. Uh, the Israeli art student rings were a bit more professional, and they did use younger, younger people to spy on the DEA, but they did not even inform them of what their, the whole picture was. They're, the DEA does a lot of what people think CIA does. Like, from Hollywood, everyone thinks the CIA is this, like, all-knowing, ominous, you know, you know, James Bond type stuff. Not really. CIA does a lot of um, coups in other countries, and counterintelligence kind of uh, plays both sides of the field, you know what I'm saying? But it's actually the DEA that really does the nitty-gritty with the informants and gets into the cartels and the terrorist rings and the black markets and stuff, that's the, that's from the DEA. 
And the Israelis are very interested in spying on the DEA. Because if somebody's going to screw this up and catch the hijackers before they get on the planes and pull this off, it will be the DEA. Because those are the ones that really have all the informants and know-how. Plus, they already had the CIA compromised, so they're spying on the DEA. They already had James Woolsey. They had all, every CIA director, uh, including now William Burns, is an Epstein client, right? Like they've always got that one niche. They've had that that way since James Angleton counterintelligence when they killed Kennedy. But when they um, spied on the DEA, that's that's where you get into the art students, which are not the same as the people with the moving vans. And I would imagine the guys that gave Al Qaeda a ride. You know, the classic international movers, that would have been the more senior branch or whatever. White Glove and Urban Movies, Max Moving, Moisture Movers, those were the uh, assigned lesser roles. And just to be clear, yeah. coincidentally, they were all Israeli. Every single entity, all the people you're talking about of yeah. Israeli origin. Yeah, they're all, of course. <laughs> There were people at urban movie systems that were not Israeli, they're Hungarian or whatever. That <laughs> Someone asked me that in L.A., like, what were they doing? I was like, well, somebody had moved the furniture. Like, you think they're going to do work? <laughs> and they complained, because this is funny, too. I didn't say this on Fresh and Fit, but the, uh, the non-Israeli employees of urban movie systems said they would often have meetings in Hebrew for their little clique that they were not privy to. And they're always bashing on America and saying terrible things. And said, you know, one of them even said, give us 20 years, we'll take over your media and run your country. Um, Alicia, you've got a question? Yeah, I've got a couple of questions. Firstly, I'd just like to ask, um, I see people are requesting the mic. Um, so when this space was um, organized, it was very clearly mentioned that it was a subscriber space. Um, which yep. means everybody's welcome to listen and put all their questions in the chat and those who have subscribed can come up to the microphone. So um, if you're not a subscriber, kindly please put any questions and we will be looking at the questions in the chat and we'll try to get around to all the questions for Ryan. Um, and if you have just subscribed, please just uh, shoot across a DM to Suleiman to let him know so that he can bring you up if you've subscribed during the um, during the space. And to subscribe, you can just go to Suleiman's profile and subscribe there. So thank you so much. Ryan, I have a question yeah, for you. Yeah, um, because this could be his last one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. This might be the famous one. Uh, yeah, I think that might happen. But anyway, let's hope I no, don't say that. Okay, so listen, let's, let's not say that. Okay, so Ryan, I've got a couple of questions for you. So firstly, um, you once said on one of our spaces that... Um, because I asked you about, and, and maybe you're going to come to this, so you don't have to answer it now if you're, gonna, if you're actually going to come to this part of it. But you said um, there was no link between 9-11 and Iraq. Iraq was done because Israel wanted to go into Iraq. Um, yeah. And so 9-11, what was that, uh, an insurance job? Was it for the money? What was the purpose of that? Or was that the pretext no, no. of going to Iraq? No, so they tried to blame Saddam Hussein they tried to say, they, meaning, let me say who they is, they meaning uh, James Woolsey, Fred Barnes, Gary Schmidt, all these projects for a new American century, neoconservative Jewish Zionists that worked for William Crystal and Robert Kagan, wrote all this garbage about this supposed meeting in Prague in Czech Republic uh, between Mohammed Atta and senior Iraqi officials. 
So they lied to people my age who joined the military back in 2001 thinking that Iraq had something to do with September 11th. They said senior Iraqi officials passed anthrax to Muhammad Atta in Prague because there was an anthrax attack said death to America, death to Israel, right? Uh, all is great, take penicillin, stupid stuff. That was sent from the locations of the hijacker cells in Florida and New Jersey to Tom Daschle and Patrick Leahy, U.S. Senators, to try to kill them. Ironically, both had opposed the Patriot Act, and Leahy had the Leahy Amendment, which, it, if implemented, would have forbidden all U.S. military aid to Israel. That's the people they're trying to kill. Didn't seem like Al-Qaeda is targeting the anti-Israel, but whatever. And then Judith Miller, who blamed everything on Iraq. She blamed 93 on Iraq. She blamed Oklahoma City bombing on Iraq. She blamed September 11th on Iraq. She gets hoax anthrax. But here's, this is where they screwed up bad. They mailed actual anthrax on September 18th. Right, the two days. You see, a lot of the planes have been grounded. A lot of mail was backed up. It didn't get open for a long time. On September 20th, they mailed a, a second round of anthrax, thinking the first round would have been opened by them, or they hadn't been. And so, in the 18th, there was a letter, a note with the anthrax, death to America, death to Israel, blah, blah, blah. It had a certain message. Well, Judith Miller's hoax anthrax had the same message. So they tried later to say, oh, the hoax sent to Miller, another guy, Howard Troxler, was a copycat attack. No, it wasn't because it had been mailed before the first one had been opened. So how would you know what the note was? How would you know what to write? You can't copy something from the future. <laughs> so even though it had been mailed earlier, it hadn't been opened yet, so it could not have been a copycat attack. So whoever sent actual lethal anthrax to the senators, as well as some people in the media, sent fake anthrax to Judith Miller, which means she's part of this. Now, they lied about Iraq. They said he met in Prague with Muhammad Atta. They said senior Iraqi officials, according to this witness in Curveball or something, um, passed along this anthrax. Now, this is the legal reason for the war in Iraq. Colin Powell, Secretary of State, goes to the UN with a little mock file of anthrax, right, and gives this giant speech because technically... They're in violation of UN Resolution 1441, stipulating they can't have weapons of mass destruction, we have to invade Iraq, they got anthrax, they reconstituting the nuclear program, all these lies. They were not reconstituting it. Are you familiar I'm with her Iraq question? Oh, yeah, are you familiar with Tamar Kadar, who was like one of the women who, who was involved in the anthrax story? And then her son Michael was picked up as that autistic uh, Israeli teen who was calling in all the bomb plots. Uh, I think his name was Michael. Um, are you familiar with all this and the anthrax part of the Michael story? Bar. Yeah. I'm going to get to the, the details on the anthrax. I'm just going to answer the Iraq thing first. Okay, go ahead. Yes. He, he went to the UN and told them all uh, Iraq's in possession of biological weapons on mobile weapons labs, right? Which is another lie from Judith Miller, right? So the woman that gets the fake anthrax is lying about mobile weapons labs. He had a cartoon of mobile weapons labs that got presented. Jacques Chirac from France gave him the third degree on that, how ridiculous it was. And then they started hating the French and wanted to rename French fries the Freedom Fries and all because the French aren't buying into this BS. His English teacher was my roommate's father, by the way. His name was Phil Army. Anyway, and Jacques Chirac, the French opposed it, the Russians opposed it. 
but uh, most most of America's lap dogs went along with it and decided, yep, Iraq's got mobile weapons labs, they're making anthrax, and they gave it to Al-Qaeda, and Al-Qaeda used anthrax in 9-11 to kill U.S. senators and media personalities. Now, what happens? The anthrax gets genetically traced back to our own labs. It was not from Iraq. It came from within the U.S. There was no meeting in Prague, so there was no senior Iraqi officials in Prague, and there was no anthrax given to Muhammad Atta in Prague because there was no meeting in Prague, and Iraq didn't have anthrax, and neither did Al-Qaeda. But, put a pin in that, because why did we think that there was a meeting in Prague where Al-Qaeda, Muhammad Atta specifically, got anthrax from Iraq? Because James Woolsey, former DCI of the CIA, or Clinton, who only got his position because of Epstein blackmail, said, that he had witnesses. Who were his witnesses of this transfer of anthrax? Dun, dun, dun. Israeli security forces. Oh, really? The Israelis witnessed a transfer of anthrax between two parties that didn't have anthrax at a meeting that didn't take place. Well, gee willikers, they fucking lied. You know, they also said the Czech intelligence, but the Czech intelligence says that, nah, we, didn't, we don't back this up. Israelis never changed their story. And the first paper in the United States to have the anthrax Prague BS was the New York Observer, owned by Charles Kushner, whose son then married Trump's daughter. And Charles Kushner went to jail for illegal finance, uh, campaign finance laws for Governor McGreevy, who was a homosexual governor of New Jersey. The governor of New Jersey is who appoints the head of the Port Authority, which ended up being the former president of APAC, the largest Israeli lobby. Um, but Kushner's own siblings turned on him after he tried to blackmail his brother-in-law by setting up a honey trap where he paid Hooker to uh, tape having sex with him at the Red Bull Inn. And his sister, Miriam, and his brother uh, went against him. He ended up going to jail in Alabama for years gets out, hires white-collar criminals while he's in jail, and goes to work for the Trump administration. <laughs> but, right, classic. Classic. Now, now, did they criticize Trump about any of that? No. They went after identity politics instead. They can't criticize him on that because they're doing the same kind of stuff. Can you summarize the anthrax thing again? Just the whole dumb it down. All right, so, uh, yep, summary part. Let me dumb it down. Israel said they witnessed a transfer of anthrax from Iraq to Al-Qaeda. And it was a lie. There was no anthrax on the rock. And there were no mobile weapons labs in Iraq. There were no any kind of weapons of mass destruction in Iraq. It was all lies. And that's not something, it's important that it, you say it's a lie, not a mistake. You can, oh, we thought it was anthrax, but it was actually not. Or, no, no, there was no anthrax. There was no meeting. There was no Muhammad Atta in Prague. None of it. The whole thing was bullshit. So that is intentional deception. That's very different than, oh, we analyzed this piece of intelligence and just got it wrong, right? That's a mistake or miscalculation or something. They lied, they lied on purpose. They lied about weapons of mass destruction in Iraq. And they always try to act like, no, we, we were wrong about weapons of mass destruction in Iraq, but we thought they were real. And oops, turns out they weren't there after all. No, no. They knew there were no WMDs because, I mean, I can go through all that, too. It wasn't just anthrax. They lied about reconstituting a nuclear program in Iraq, which never existed. 
saying that Saddam Hussein is trying to buy yellow cake or oxidized uranium from Niger and the Democratic Republic of the Congo. Well, the, the so-called evidence for that piece of shit was saying... Take him, please. I got, I got kids running around. You know, because I'm, I'm on the payroll for Vladimir Putin. That's why I, I can't even get an office. <laughs> but the Niger forgeries were so bad that they had documents from Niger, allegedly... You know, track up Saddam trying to acquire yellow cake uranium, which is something you need to process for nuclear weapons. And it had the signature of an obsolete foreign minister. So that's like saying, uh, I don't know, country A is trying to get a bomb from country B. Did I get disconnected? I can hear you. No, we can hear you. Uh, it says connecting, so I was like, uh oh, I hope everybody heard what I just said. I want to say all that again. But, so it had an obsolete foreign minister's name on the document. So it wasn't. It was a crude forgery, and it wasn't even a good one. Like if you're gonna sign someone's name, at least put the right person, right? He'd been out of office since 1989, and you're trying to say, and it had obsolete military seals, and the dates have been changed in the document. Some places said 2000, some say it's 99. Like it wasn't even consistent. The CIA flagged that as disinformation immediately. Like this is fake. Uh, this guy's. It's like saying um, something today and it's signed by Ronald Reagan. And, like, Ronald Reagan hasn't been president uh, since the 80s, and he's dead. You know, like, that's what they did. This guy, Adele, to get his last name, allegedly signed this document, and that's not even who would have been signing it, right? So it was bogus lie, and that's coming from Michael Ledeen, who was an Iran-Contra goon along with Elliot Abrams, this guy named Gil Bonifar, that I was alluding to earlier when they were stovepiping disinformation about the Contras, and at the same time the Israelis were sending contraband to Iran, which helped pay for some of that operation. The rest was narcotics from the CIA and DEA. Anyway, they lied about, they lied, they, and, and Tyler Rice goes on with Tim Mustard, and so did Dick Cheney, said we can't let their smoking gun be a mushroom cloud. They all acted like Saddam Hussein was about to build a nuclear bomb. He was not, and they knew that, and they knew that evidence that they even tried to fake was so easily falsifiable that even the CIA was like, nah, we're evil, but we're not that sloppy. You can't use this. But George Bush put it in his speeches anyway. He said it in Ohio. He did it in the State of the Union the month afterward. He's saying, uh, and John McCain, too. John McCain went on with David Letterman October 15th and said it looks like some of this anthrax may have come from Iraq. And, and he's like, I want to emphasize May because <laughs> he knew it was a lie. They lied. They lied. They connected September 11th to Iraq, and all these good-meaning people heard that because the retraction was never clear and thought Saddam was saying that was helping the 9-11 hijackers. Iraq had nothing to do with 9-11. And they also didn't have any other kind of weapons of mass destruction. Um, they'd all been taken care of between the two Iraq wars, inspected, and they did not possess WMDs. They got invaded anyway. Nearly a million innocent Iraqis were murdered. They flipped that country upside down which would lead to, to the first presence of Al-Qaeda in Iraq is after Saddam was gone. And they got Bremer and stuff, you know, getting rid of the Iraqi army officers and stuff. So they started a huge insurgency and all these Americans get killed. Five trillion dollars, six trillion dollars actually in the hole spent on this escapade for Israel. So, um, Ryan, I don't want to... It was a bunch of Israeli Zionists that lied about Iraq. It wasn't oil. It wasn't the petrodollar or any of this nonsense. It was Israelis in the Project for New American Century Weekly Standard. They made an office within an office called the Office of Special Plans, run by Douglas Fife, 
uh, was the brainchild of Richard Pearl, who had already been caught spying for Israel in the 70s, and somehow he's still allowed to work in the Defense Department. He ran the Defense Policy Board, which is just full of a who's who of Zionist neocons, a bunch of Jewish supremacists that work for, you know, on the Clean Break paper as well as the Oded Yanan papers that wanted to divide Iraq up along sectarian lines to further Israel's hegemony in the Middle East and get rid of any kind of military or economic rivals. And the number ones on that list were Iraq and Iran. So Ryan, just I want to bring you back to the uh, September 11th, and we can do another space on these different issues that you're talking about, especially uh, the false war or the lies in the war in, America, in Iraq. But just before we do, because we've got so many listeners on, Ryan. Well, un unfortunately, I think I'm going to have to handle the child situation. This was supposed to be an hour earlier, and then like today, you're like, hey, can you bump it an hour? So I would have had an hour extra time, but I... You know, I said I'd do it, but I'm going to have to go pretty soon. No stress, no stress. No stress. We can definitely do this again. Yeah, 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 no stress. So, I mean, we've got a lot of listeners, and just while, before we carry on, where can, because we know there's a high chance you're going to get back. I know you, you, we can get your website. I've got your, <laughs> yeah. I've got your Epstein map from your website, which is most excellent. Um, so, I mean, just give people, oh, yeah. uh, just, uh, I mean, about your website. I know you've got your movie on 9-11 there, which, uh, which is yeah. five hours long. You've got the Epstein map. What other amazing things can they find on your website? Well, there's lots of films. There's, I have, uh, and a lot of them are free. I have a film on, on the truth about the war in Syria. It's called Syria, Israel's Invisible Hand. I implore everybody to watch that. It's only about a, an hour and change. That's a good one. Um, I've got some films on neocolonialism in Africa. I've got films on the CIA. Just, you know, click that film tab and watch all the free ones. You become a a member that you can watch Empire and Mass. You can also watch Decades of Deception, which is goes the timeline of Mossad and CIA operations. So the next time someone says, "Oh, conspiracy," look, every covert operation that's ever been done—that's conspiracy, right? You got a bunch of people doing something that would otherwise be considered illegal in secret, right? Anything the Mossad does, or MI6 does, or the CIA does, those are conspiracies. Right? They get together and lie to everybody and do illegal things. That's all it is. So that's on there. Well, right, you mentioned the website name. You didn't mention the website name. ANC, like anti-neocon. Anti-neocon. ANC report.com is my website. There's a Substack. You can follow me on Substack. You can do it for free or you can pay per month. I always have good articles and videos on Substack. They seem to be pretty good. I would definitely bookmark my website and then start adding the stuff on there. There's a telegram, there's a substack, there's Ryan, a Twitter. Can you add your telegram? <laughs> Ryan, I, I'm on your telegram, but there are people in the chat who've asked for it. Could you add that to your bio? Because I think there are people that do often ask for it. Um, so is it uh, Yeah, but the thing is, anytime you edit your bio, they get rid of your blue check mark for a uh, and so, okay, like, that's why they're like, why don't you update your picture in your bio? I'm like, because I did that once, and that's what happened, so, I don't know. It takes know. a week now. It's not that bad. It's like five days. Yeah, Is it? Well, but, I'll do it after. So I, I got an Epstein show tomorrow and Fresh and Fit on the, the next day, so I'll wait till that passes. And then I'm doing an RFK assassination on the June 5th. June 5th, 6th is the 55th anniversary of Kennedy getting killed, the second one. Um, we're doing a show on that, so maybe after all that, I'll stick it in my bio. But I can, um, 
I can just tweet it out, but it's just yeah, yeah. It's what t dot me dot a report. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, yeah. Just tweet it out, yeah. Ryan, and then people can watch out for it. <clears throat> but just guys, I would tell everybody, not just because I'm saying it because Ryan's here, but try and subscribe to his um, his his Substack and his website because I'm telling you now, there's a very high likelihood he could get banned from these platforms. And I just got, I just learned who you were recently, Ryan. And like I said to you. I did not believe any of the 9-11 conspiracy theories. Dude, well, I, I, I understand it. They're, they're all goofy. thing is, a lot of people are just now discovering me because it was impossible. It's only because I have a Twitter that it's an on-ramp, right? We can't, I'm not on YouTube. I can't be on Instagram or Facebook or any of that normie stuff. And it's like, once I got on Twitter, boom, I hooked up with Sneeko, Fresh and Fred, all, you know, the Liberty Caucus, Danny McGann, all these people found me again. I'm like, I didn't die. It's just, nowadays, people just don't go to websites much. They go to the social media platform, and that's where they get all their news. You really need to break that habit, because I'm not the only one that's been banned. There are other people that still aren't even on Twitter. Right? And so I got little buttons on the website, like, check out Tim Kelly, you know, check out the, these guys that have been banned and are still banned on everything and can't get back. Right? I have Twitter privilege. So I use it to tell other people, look, there's lots of people with great information who you don't know, and you don't know them because they have great information. Like, when you have good info, they turn the lights off. And, you know, that's what they did to the Tate brothers. They, you remember, before this shenanigan of being arrested without charges and all that was getting blanket banned on everything, TikTok, YouTube, they canceled everything they were saying. Why? Because they started getting political. And it started getting accurate. And so they were gone. So, Ryan, I'm just going to let a few people ask you questions then, because uh, I know we haven't got enough time, but then we'll maybe schedule another one for these various issues that we're not talking about. But there is, for example, the art students, there's a number of issues that we've still not got into. Oh, that's a big, yeah, the art students is a big, I talked about it a little bit with the EA, but that's a big one. I mean, I can tell you leadership in that right now. There's not much time, but I'll just oh, right. put these names down somewhere and Google them. So you have. Italy Simone, which is like Italy, like the country, S-I-M-O-N, out of Irving, Texas. You had uh, Hanan Sarfati, that's a big one. He was a bag man out of Hollywood, Florida, $100,000, $180,000 he gave you out. Michael Kalmanovic, C-A-L-M-A-N-O-V-I-C, like Novik. He was caught, um, got a $50,000 bond, so did Simone. There's Tomer Vendor, and he was in Rutherford, New Jersey, next to the Israel dancing Israelis. You had Pierre Sigalovitz, Michael Gall, who was tied to uh, Ophir Bears, an Andox employee who was up spying. Ligam Yolchai out of Miami, Leo Baram, Akuza Sagiv, Marvin Gwitkam, G L I K A M, that was out of Dallas, and Dilka Bornstein. Those were the leadership of the Israeli art students. All of them had, uh, you know, like eight to ten underlings, and some of the underlings had underlings. Total about two hundred people. It was a massive, the most aggressive uh, foreign intelligence firing on U.S. soil ever uncovered. Um, that's why we need to talk about it. But let me just let you ask you questions because you don't need to head out. just before, very quickly, guys. The first tweet on the left-hand side in the nest above Suleiman is the Telegram channel for Ryan. And Ryan, uh, Mayor Kate has um, sent a message saying maybe you could put your contact details and make it your pinned tweet on your profile with your Telegram and your website and everything. Yeah. 
Okay. I could, but I just, I've got that tweet yeah. with four million views about Epstein. I kind of like leaving it where it is. But yeah, no problem. Yeah. I understand. Thanks. Um, <laughs> Suleiman, sorry, over to you. Let's go to the questions. Yeah, yeah. Suleiman, thanks, Ryan. Yeah, brilliant. And uh, Epstein's another one we need to do as well with Ryan. But Charles, uh, you have a question. Go ahead. Well, I'm talking about that tomorrow on Red Ice Stop TV. Nice. So, yeah, Ryan, but, do you um do you have anything to say about the, the maybe the Russian influence on 9-11? I know... Michael Maloof was often thought of as a source uh, for Judith Miller. Um, do you have any thoughts on that? And of course, people know that. Well, it's not. There are people with uh, Russian ethnicity or whatever, but it's just not, there's no Russians saying anything on 9 11. Russia was against the Iraq War, uh, which is what, you know, they used 9 11 to get to format their policy about regime change for seven different countries, right? Do, do we know that to be sure? I mean, you know, Putin, of course, like, would have preferred a higher price of oil as a petro-state, right? Well, that, I mean, how does um, invading Iraq help them? Like, oh, the Iraqi oil drives, still up, drives up the price of oil, right, worldwide. It did, no, it doesn't. It just, no. It put, uh, in fact, quite the opposite. The oil ends up going to China, which means less Russian oil going to China. They, the, Iraq had no exports to China. After Iraq, after the invasion of the Americans, they started selling east. None of that oil went there. No, no, and no. When it, you invaded a country that's an oil producer, you drive up the price of oil, which would have benefited the Russians. Very temporarily, but, but Russia opposed the Iraq war. They opposed it in the UN. They were completely against sure, invading but, Iraq. But like, but, like, you know, Michael Maloof is, like, very involved <laughs> in the RT. You know, it's widely, you know, it's been sort of documented that he was the source for Judith Miller with a lot of the stuff in Niger. I agree with you, by the way, 100% on all the Israeli influence. I just think that there isn't just Israel involved, right? I think the Russians... Well, Miller wasn't doing the Niger forgeries. That's the dating company. Miller lied about aluminum tubes and mobile weapons labs. Right, but she also covered a lot of the yellow pig stuff as well. Yeah, all the neocons jumped on that. And then she, of course, went to go work. She went to go work at the Manhattan Institute, which was funded she by. Work for, yeah. She went to jail for not eighty-five days over the Valerie Plame scandal, and yes. ends up working for Fox when she gets out. Yes, and, <laughs> for, for, uh, and for Paul Singer at uh, Manhattan Institute. Yeah, yeah Paul, Paul Singer is the money uh, behind the, the Fusion GPS dossier. Yeah. Paul Singer is behind a lot of things. Yep. Charles, um, <laughs> can I just ask you? Sorry, let me go to Nota because I don't know how long Ryan's got. Nota, go ahead. Oh, awesome. Uh, Ryan, nice to meet you, man. It's, uh, it's a real privilege, a privilege and an honor. Uh, if you don't mind, I'm just going to bang out a couple of the greatest hits of the conspiracy theories around 9 11. You can kind of dismiss them as BS or, you know, real. So I've had uh, basically three of them really interested at the same time here. Steel beams. You mentioned a bit earlier, you said they were the scrapyards, I believe you said in New Jersey. I'm just curious, yep. is there any validity to the claims that Mitch McConnell's wife transported a large, a large amount of those steel beams or whatever else to China? Because I know that's one of the big hits. Uh, that's half true. Um, there were some, some scraps sent to India and China, but the majority, and I mean like 99%, is collected and put in scrapyards. Some of it went to the World Trade Center Museum, which is underground now, where the World Trade Center used to be. They have some of the large chunk beams there, as well as like one that was shaped like a cross. You can go down there and look at it. And I actually have a degree. I don't know if it was Mitch McConnell's wife that made that deal. She doesn't seem like the person that would be in charge of such thing. But that's why yeah, I say that seems to happen. Until what the uh, Trump administration. So I, I always thought that was. It doesn't. 
It doesn't no, make sense. What, what they're doing is they're taking a true thing and adding garbage to it, right? Like, screw both of them. Mitch McConnell can eat a bit. But, like, they, uh, the majority of the steel from the World Trade Centers is there's some, there's statues they made and they put in Pennsylvania, Shanksville. There's some on Ground Zero they put in the museum, but almost all of it's in the scrapyard. Okay, cool. And then the next one is. Is as far as steel, steel beams, and jet fuel, jet fuel doesn't melt steel beams. Like, first, <laughs> it's not just jet fuel, it's a building fire. Secondly, it doesn't have to melt. Way before the melting point of steel, it loses 80% of its tensile strength and cannot hold weight. Way before. You can heat steel up, and it will not melt, and, you know, take the other end with one pinky finger and move it around. That's how soft it gets. Okay, so mostly, mostly not true then. Second question yeah, is, what about NORAD? Is it true they stood down? Were there exercises before uh, before the event yeah, that basically it. were about planes crashing into World Trade That actually is true. There was uh, a NORAD exercise almost simultaneously to that made them confused, and they're like, is this real or exercise? Um, so, yeah, that actually happened. They weren't yeah, standing down, though. They were... Um, they were doing exercises. They scrambled planes. It was just too late. The thing is, okay, so this is funny, because the people that deny a plane hitting the Pentagon at the same time will say, well, Dick Cheney was in the uh, was in the POC bunker because the, the Joint Chiefs of Staff and the power moved the Vice President for some freaking unexplained reason. So he's in there because they couldn't find Rumsfeld or Bush, and he's in charge. And, uh, you know, an officer says the plane is... 40 miles out, 30 miles out. The order still stands. Cheney whips his neck around. This is testimony from uh, uh, Manetta, the Transportation Secretary, saying, of course the order still stands. Have you heard otherwise? It's, uh, it's getting 10 miles out now. 30 miles out from what? Because the plane, you're not talking about Shanksville. It's not 30 miles near anything. They're talking about Flight 77. Because what had happened is, Haji Hanjor, legend pilot, there may have been a sixth hijacker on Flight 77 actually, but um, came in at too high an altitude. And so he couldn't have hit the Pentagon. That's why he had to do a loop. And this is not some corkscrew top gun thing. This is like miles long, just a big circle, right? And got a second try to come in at a lower altitude and ran a plane into the first floor, which is not some miraculous feat. It's just like landing a plane on a runway. Except you don't put the landing gear down, and you don't slow down, you just hit the building. Very easy to do. Uh, not hard to crash a plane. But he was too high in the air to do a, a dip, so he had to circle around. Well, this came bad because since he got to do twice, two takes, right? They had two times that they could have shot it down. And Dick Cheney, according to Norman Mineta, and others who were in that POC bunker, and then... Um, Clark's book and some other things, was telling them not to shoot it down because it's a commercial airliner. But at that point, they knew, look, these planes are hijacked. They're hitting targets. You need to take it out. And Dick Cheney told them no. What's funny is the people that deny there is a plane are also saying he's refusing to shoot down a plane. <laughs> like, which one is it? Like, you're not even consistent in your kook stuff because if it's a plane he's refusing to shoot down, then there's a plane. And you're acting like it's a missile and not a plane. They never do explain what they think happened to the plane. If everyone saw a plane go to the Pentagon, no one sees a plane fly away from the Pentagon because it ran into the Pentagon and was still in the Pentagon. 
there's debris and the black box, pieces of the fuselage, engine, all that in the Pentagon. It did not go through six reinforced walls. Those are only on the upper floors of the Pentagon. The bottom floors of the Pentagon do not have rings, so it went through two walls. It went through the exterior wall and the C-ring. There is no other walls in between. And you know what made the hole in the C-ring? The landing gear. Why? Because there's broken landing gear as well as the tires sitting in front of the hole. <laughs> and that's photographed. And there are DNA evidence of all the passengers on that plane except for the baby at Walter Reed. You did have to get all the firemen, all the EMTs, all the police, all the employees at the Pentagon, all the witnesses on 495 and 395 Virginia that saw the plane come in to all lie at the same time and do some switcheroo shit that makes a plane disappear and shoot a missile from, I don't know, some invisible missile launcher in the lawn, and then plant burnt parts of plane and DNA. There's so much crap you'd have to do to fake uh, a plane and blame it on a missile, or, or a plane hit the building, which explains all the evidence and everything else and why Cheney refused to shoot it down. But see, if you don't have a plane, not only do you not have the paper trail back to Saudi Arabia, and Awipa Hazmi and Khalid al-Midhar, and no more about you and yourself, and that's not an old story I just said, you also get rid of the POC thing with Dick Cheney refusing to shoot down the plane. But why would he not want to shoot down the plane? That shows U.S. complicity at almost the highest level. That's the Vice President of the United States. But that disappears when you get rid of the plane. And that's why they want to argue incessantly and endlessly about a missile hitting the Pentagon, because it erases all the other evidence going back to the United States, Saudi Arabia, and Israel. Anyway, that was the third question. Thanks, right. thanks. Uh, oh, sorry, uh, uh, Nota, did you have one more very quickly? And then yeah, we'll there's one jam. more very quick question, yeah, and that is, Ryan, what was that show for seven? And if you don't mind, just humor me, where were you on that one? Yeah, that, if you're flying into the gold story, that's bullshit. Um, there's a lot of important stuff in building seven. There's a lot of important stuff in the Pentagon, too. But on September 11th, I was in Virginia, and I was not. I was, I was going to college. I was in my car, um, driving to school. And then, real quick, Suleiman, I, I sent you a message. Uh, you could look at it, but it's. I, I hopefully it won't be needed. But it's. Uh, Thanks, no um, Jam. Sorry, Nick. Nick, Nick okay. could you, can you do the housekeeping? Like, uh, sorry, Jam. Go ahead, please, because we just got. Very limited time with Ryan. I want to get the three hands who've been waiting. Yeah. Go ahead, Jim. Quick question. What would you I want to answer people? all that? Yeah, what that. would you tell the people that believe uh, there was no planes that hit 9-11 and it was CGI? Stop smoking weed. That was a good answer. Very that. quickly I'm done. Thank that. you so all much. That. Because there's not a one person that believes that that doesn't also smoke pot. And I'm not saying that everyone that smokes pot is retarded, but just like alcohol, different drugs affect people differently. If some people shouldn't drink at all, they become alcoholics, and some people shouldn't smoke weed at all because they become retarded. I love that. But not everyone. I love that. I love that. Follow. Let's get two quick questions in. Sana Ryan needs to go. Make them brief as possible, guys. You have a quick question now. What do you think about the alleged uh, ties between the CIA having the hijackers as failed assets? Um, we saw a document leaked not too long ago. Uh, it was revelations from a 21-page court document filed in 2021. Get up. Yeah. Yep, exactly. Or is it just more misinformation? Yeah. No, this is information we've known for almost two decades. 
that's the story about Nabi Fahad Minkalito Minhar. That's what I'm talking about. The CIA followed them to an Al-Qaeda summit in Malaysia, did not inform the FBI, and the Saudi intelligence was sending them money and getting them apartments. This is all known. That's in our own Senate investigation. Which is just weird that this this 2021 Gitmo document comes out as soon as Saudi Arabia and Iran start making peace with the Chinese negotiating. Just the timing is a little bit odd. But none of that information is new at all. It's new, it's new, like, getting attention, but I've been saying this ad nauseum for two decades. Yeah, it's just finally being confirmed, essentially, by those yeah, calls. I mean, well, it was confirmed again in 2015 with the unredacted 28 pages. Look up 28 pages, 9-11 information or something like that, and you can go read about the, those very same assets. It was also confirmed by Bradley Manning's leaks that he had met colleague Sheikh Mohammed. They spent the night with him. You know what? It wasn't just like they're at the same meeting. They're in the same apartment. They're in the bedroom next to him. I mean, come on. And this was known. It's just, you can't... If I put that out there on whatever, you know, I'm not allowed on YouTube and no one watches anything else. So, like, let's say I put that on Rumble or Vimeo back in the day. I got kicked off that, too. It's just going to be lost in the ether of stupid created by Alex Jones that just shouts you down with millions of followers going, Illuminati, Luciferian test called the Luciferian, blood drinking, crisis actor. You know, they're just so fucking loud and dumb that you'll never get to the bottom of it. And most people, when they hear about 9-11, all they've heard is kook stuff. And so... Well, yeah, like, why should I listen to you? Like, how, how do I get someone to listen to me? Like, I promise I'm not one of these retarded people. Like, well, that's what everybody would say. Nobody, nobody thinks they're retarded. Right now. Let's go to Sam really quickly, Ryan, and then, yeah, Sam really quickly, and then I have one quick question, which is probably going to be a yes or a no question. Go ahead, Sam, really quickly, please. Uh, yes, thank you very much, um, Ryan. Just out of one question, um, I've heard people saying that Whitney Webb has been plagiarizing your work. I don't know if that's true or not. Yeah, uh, I've seen some of her absolutely appearances in the Russell Brand in the Rumble she, show. She took she took my film and wrote it down and passed it off, and she made a big mistake because Wait, there are these new pictures sound. that came out. Can anybody hear me? Hello. She's talking about Whitney Webb. Yeah. yeah, I can answer. Yeah. there was this. Um, these new pictures came out from a different FOIA that actually had some photographs of the Israelis, although there's white squares on their heads for some reason, so you couldn't see their faces. And in that, it shows the timestamp, September 10th. So Whitney Webb, see, these pictures weren't in my film, because they hadn't been released by the time I made my film, so I didn't talk about it. But in the FOIA, it tells you that their camera was rewound more than 14 hours. I just explained that a few minutes ago. So if you had really read these documents, you would know that. But if you were just watching my film, you wouldn't know that because I didn't include it because it wasn't necessary because the photos weren't out, so there's no timestamp out either. So she tweets and says, oh, I think these pictures were done on the day before. <laughs> like, no, those pictures are done on 9-11. The timestamp is from the day before because they rewound the camera, which you would know if you'd actually sat there and gone through all the documents, but you didn't. All you did was watch Empire and Mask and wrote it down and acted like it was your own. She did the same shit with Epstein. She took... I'm the yep, person that said true, yeah. that the mega group exists. I'm the person that said the mega was the outgrowth of the Sunborn Institute, made a big film about New Mech, 
As soon as I go on the Sean Atwood show and explain that Mango is the outgrowth of the Sunborn Institute, she writes it in a book. But her source for it is just some bullshit website that doesn't mention anything about Mega or the Sunborn Institute. She just stole it from yeah, me. Yeah, she even wrote a whole book. And again and again, I would go on Sean Atwood, I would say something, and then Whitney Webb would come out with the exact same information and go on George Galloway and go on Jimmy Dore and all that. They think she's some genius. And I'm not the only person she copies. Kirby Summers and other people have approached me and said, yeah, I did a phone interview with her, and then she went out and said everything and didn't quote me or source me at all. She does that to people all the time. Yeah, and she she's Thanks, and she was Bobby. able she was able to do that because I was not allowed on Twitter for the last four years, and she's sitting there just pilfering my Epstein shit, and there's nothing I can say about it. And I first came yeah. out and said, yeah, maybe she didn't do that because I didn't want to lose my YouTube that I still had, and all her little minions, her little simps, would go out there and flag it, and get it removed because they got one flag. The first video I did about Whitney Webb, I got a strike, uh, so she went and flagged it for bullying or whatever. Like, you bitch. She went on... You, she you went routinely on fucking plagiarize everybody. You plagiarize everybody, and then you're like, oh, man. And she gets all... But she made a career off of stealing my 9-11 shit, and then went right to Epstein. If she makes a fucking Epstein poster or a New Mech film, oh, my God. <laughs> would you, She's the worst. Would you, would you contact these uh, shows that are, like, hosting her? Because she she's done. I don't have the ability. I can't go on Galloway or Jimmy Dore or whatever. I don't know these. No, people. no. But she did. Right? She like did a these show. people, in order to get noticed. Yeah, but she did a show. Hold on, hold on. In order to get noticed, you have to have a Twitter or YouTube or something. Ryan, let me just move to the last question. Sorry. Sorry, no, very quickly. And then you can, by all means, stay with us. We would love to have you with us, but I just want to make sure we get this question. So the question is, I wonder how the Israelis got the Saudis on board. Perhaps the, th I'm just re literally reading it, perhaps the theory about the Saudi royal family being crypto-Jews is true after all. <laughs> that was the question. Now, the, the idea that this is like some Muslim versus Jew thing is wrong. It's got nothing to do with religion. I mean, if you look at it, for the longest time, the, the Sunni-Shiite divide, they've always, Israel's on the side of Al-Qaeda, they're on the side of ISIS, they want to get rid of the Shia Muslims in Iraq, Iran, and Syria, right? Going against allies. Saudi Arabia, also enemies with the Shia in Iran and Syria, until very recently, right? But they have the same enemy. But to further answer your question, Go watch my film, because there's this clip called The Safari Club. Was that there's already a, a, a nexus between the United States, France, and Israel. And then they brought Saudi Arabia in uh, in 1976. They wanted to break up the OPEC oil weapon. And so there's been a shared intelligence nexus, and they rely heavily on the Saudis, because the U.S. doesn't have enough Arabic speakers, native speakers and stuff, to infiltrate a lot of these cells. So they outsource it to the Saudis easy to do as a monarchy. All you have to do is bribe one family and you're in charge, right? So that's all that is. Right, right. Yeah, um, it's up to you now. If you want to carry on, we'd love you to have you, but if you need to go, then I know I hope... I'm, no, I got to bounce. Yeah, Look yeah. in the eye. Yeah, so I appreciate you <laughs> on the space. It was actually meant to be 1 a.m. Sorry, I'm in UK time. It was meant to be like 1 a.m. UK time. I was by an hour, but I had to finish the AI space. Right. So yeah, thank you guys. Thank you, Ryan, for coming on. We'll definitely do this again. On Thanks, Ryan. We want to do. But yeah, guys. Thank you. I had my Twitter while it still exists. I yeah. see it just went to 49. Trying to get to 50,000.